Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Regarding ID podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. The University Corporation for Advanced Internet Development, UK for short, but better known as Internet2, won an NSTIC grant two years ago worth $1.8 million. Internet2 won the award in part for its in-common identity federation service, which enables identity providers to protect their resources while giving users single sign-on convenience and privacy protection. The money also went toward a project called the MFA Cohortium. The goal is to produce artifacts that higher education institutions can use to you know, drive their own decision-making processes around multi-factor authentication, about how and where to deploy multi-factor authentication, common use cases, you know, artifacts and assets to help them through you know, various stages of that project lifecycle. Gary Windham is Senior Enterprise Systems Architect in UITS at the University of Arizona. We've been looking into multi-factor authentication for for several years and we've been using it in you know various small areas and and small projects for example our our system staff used uh, RSA secure ID tokens for a number of years and we've used uh, similar one-time password mechanisms for access to network devices and things like that but we've wanted to deploy multi-factor authentication on a broader scale for quite some time and uh, we've recently done that and in terms of who's using it today we offer it as an optional service that people can opt into they have the choice of enabling it for all services that that utilize our campus single sign-on system so today there aren't any services that are actually requiring it but there will be in the near future. And those people who have enabled what we call global NetID Plus, NetID Plus is our our local branding for our two-factor authentication. Anytime they log into anything that uses campus single sign-on, they're presented with that two-factor authentication dialog. Like an employee logging into the uh, HR system to complete their timesheet, for example. When they go to this application, which we call UAccess Employee, they're presented with a standard uh, single sign-on page. We use JSIG's uh, CAS software for our campus single sign-on system in conjunction with another technology called Shibboleth developed by Internet2. And so we've integrated our two-factor authentication mechanisms into this. So at the time that the person tries to log into the system, the campus single sign-on knows that they've opted in to this two-factor authentication, and uh, the technology that we're that we're using is uh, Duo Security via the in common multi-factor authentication program. So after they authenticate with their initial credentials, which we call the the Net ID, once they authenticate with their Net ID and password, the single sign-on system will then look up in our what we call our enterprise directory service, which is an LDAP directory, to see if they've opted into this service. And if so, it'll present them with a list of devices that they've registered for potential use with two-factor authentication and allow them to choose from that list of devices and then send a challenge as appropriate or require a, a code to be entered or so on. The University of Arizona is comprised of more than 50,000 students, faculty, and staff. For now, less than 1,000 of them have opted in to MFA. Wyndham says the university joined the MFA cohortium early in the campus implementation phase. He says it provided a sounding board for ideas and sanity checking during the deployment process. 
consumers are starting to expect this level of security and identity verification because their banks are doing it, social media sites are doing it, and the types of data and applications that people interact with at higher education institutions you know, can be just as sensitive, if not more sensitive, than you know, your personal data that you're managing at financial institutions. So um, we're seeing good support for this, and we expect to see that continue as we actually start to roll out two-factor authentication as a mandatory feature of certain enterprise systems. So ultimately, what we hope to get out of it is a broader understanding of how multi-factor authentication is being deployed at other schools, because we certainly have our own ideas about how we're going to use it, where we're going to use it, but um, you know, there's lots of areas I'm sure we haven't thought of that other schools may have addressed, and pretty much keep tabs on what the rest of the higher education segment is doing with multi-factor authentication, you know, in terms of best practices and and just trying to better our you know our service offerings and our position based on the you know collective wisdom of other people doing this. The University of Chicago is also part of the cohortium. David Langenberg is Senior Systems Programmer for Identity and Access Management at the university. We're using multi-factor authentication technology primarily to protect our single sign-on system, a uh, SAML-based system uh, known as Shibboleth. And this, in turn, winds up protecting close to about 200 web applications. The system is set up in a stance such that a user can either opt in to having all of their authentication protected by two-factor, kind of similar to turning on two-factor authentication on Google, or a service itself could elect to force the user to use two-factor authentication. The University of Chicago is offering MFA only to faculty and staff at this time. They're in the early phase of rollout, and it'll be voluntary for a while. About 400 users have signed up, and nearly half of them opted to force all authentication to be two-factor. We were interested in finding a, a group of other universities who had done this so that we could all for and we could all share the pain and, and our experiences, and hopefully we would avoid the mistakes that other people had made and let folks who... Uh, who are coming along behind us learn from our mistakes. Along the way, we've, we've certainly had some other universities assist us with uh, vetting our ideas and stuff. The cohortium is made up of about 50 members, mostly colleges and universities, but also some commercial groups. Langenberg likes the teamwork. He says the work they're doing is useful and necessary. I think definitely in this, this day and age, with the proliferation of phishing and especially spear phishing, uh, you definitely should no longer be relying on passwords anymore. The password is long dead, and you need to definitely move into a security stance that involves more than one factor for authentication. The cohortium was created as a 15-month project, but could go longer. Schools not involved in the project, who want to roll out MFA, can still benefit from the work of Internet2 through its InCommon Federation. InCommon represents a lot of end users across hundreds of institutions. That collective bargaining power has leveraged some good discounts with commercial software vendors and service providers. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Regarding ID podcast.